Ready? Hello, Hello spooky friends. Bonjour, no. Hello. Como se llama, Bonito? Mikasa Sukasa. Mikasa Sukasa? Yes. Let me see you move like you come from Colombia. I'm trying to wiggle, but it's not working. <laughs> it's not twerking. <laughs> Welcome back, guys and ghouls. Welcome. We are here yet again to grace you with our presence. Hopefully you can hear the little birdies chirping in the background because we decided to do this on the front porch today. And also because I'm Snow White. Because... And birds I mean, follow me everywhere. Yes. No, I'm really glad birds don't follow me anywhere. It would be like the Edgar Allan Poe. Wasn't it Edgar Allan Poe who wrote? Yeah, the birds. birds they <laughs> out of the sky and gouge your eyes out and shit all over Thank your God car. I have these big-ass glasses. Hopefully they're, um... What the heck? A tempered glass so they don't shatter when Ooh. they attack your feet. Your um, eyes, I mean. They're not glass. They're, they're plastic. probably plastic, huh? Um, and it was really funny. I was at the bar the other day with my... Well, I was at the bar the other day, and this guy bought me a drink and went outside with me to smoke a cigarette, and then we were standing there talking, and I think he just kept getting more drunk, and then when we go inside, before he goes to leave, and he's like, I just wanted to tell you that I fucking love your glasses, and I was like, thanks, and he's like, those are awesome, those are so awesome, and I was like, thank you. The girl at the eye doctor didn't think I'd like them because she said nobody liked them because they were too, quote-unquote, funky. I think they're great. They suit your personality. Yes. Funky. Funky. It's time to get funky. 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 Everybody clap your hands. Clap. 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 Clap your hands. Now I want to hear you clap those booty cheeks. Shake it, shake it, shake it. Aya. If I had a booty, I'd clap these cheeks for you guys. Mmm. <laughs> clap my thighs together. That's about as much as I can get. So, events. Um, coming up tomorrow on the 28th, I'm actually going to the Burlington area Celebrity Battle of the Brushes where they've taken like local, what they call local celebrities and have them like compete against each other to win the battle of the brushes and one of the local, local celebrities just happens to be my uncle <laughs> yes our uncle is gonna be there and it's gonna be hilarious yes and i asked him if he needed a an, a local artist to help him out and he was like by all means come on down so that's what i'm doing listen guys sorry if i'm all over the place I went to the gas station to get an energy drink today, and Red Bulls were buy three for five fifty. So I bought three, and I'm uh, almost done with my second one. She's all hopped up on Red Bull because it gives her wings. A Red Bull. Oh my. A Red what? A Red Bull. One more time. Red Bull. <laughs> Ebola. Ebola. <laughs> but Speaking yeah. Of Ebola? Contagious diseases. Coronavirus. Fucking coronavirus. But you know that it has a really slim chance of reaching Iowa. 
I was reading the statistics yesterday. So. Well, there's people that have been confirmed with it in Chicago, which isn't that far from here. And a lot of people live, come here from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Because of the Tyson Chicken Factory. Mm-hmm. And because of the... What is that? There's just a lot the, of there's a lot of factories. The, fertil- here. the fertilizer plant is the biggest one. Yeah, there's a lot of um, factories and stuff around here that people come here to work at because they can make a decent living. I am not kidding. But if anybody that listens has not seen the fertilizer plant that's outside of Burlington, Iowa, Google pictures. I hope there's some on Google anyway because it literally looks like it would be Gotham City when you're driving by. It, it does. Especially at night. It's scary. Um, it was a lot of lights on it. Like, yeah. More, more than you would expect. Yeah, and the one time that I drove by, there was a fire, and the one, I don't know if it was supposed to have been like a controlled fire. I don't know, but it was scary as shit. Because I know that if that place exploded we would be dead same as the ammunition plant we're just literally in a location where the prediction of the end for us is impending doom speaking of the ammunition plant i remember grandpa louie talking to us about how during world war ii and like afterwards which is why we have the tornado raid sirens that we have um because they would whenever they thought there was somebody flying over from like another country they would make everybody turn their lights off and they weren't allowed to look out their windows or anything <laughs> because they were doing like air raid sirens to be able to make it so they could tell if somebody was coming to bomb the ammunition plant. He just cracked me up because he's like, I would always peek and see if I could see someone flying by. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> if only like the police had seen that, they'd have been like, oh shit, he's trying to give signals to the Japs or whoever. <laughs> the Japs. <laughs> the Japs laps. But yeah. We, they did, Grandpa Bob is who told me that, is that mm-hmm. they made the bombs that they dropped on Hiroshima mm-hmm. at our ammunition plant. I do not condone war. Which I have zero idea if there's nuclear bombs out there right now or not, but I, I really have no idea. And I war! War! Good God! War. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing! Say it again! Absolutely nothing. Say it again. I would also like to point out that tomorrow, March 28th, is National Respect Your Cat Day. So respect that kitty. Respect that pussy. Yeah. Respect the pussy or the pussy won't respect you. Literally. Speaking of respectful pussies, (laughs) my cat attacked the fuck out of me for the first time in his life. Well, okay, there's been... That's the second time. Three. No, there's been three occasions. I've had my cat for almost 11 years, and there's only been three instances. Once when I was wearing the shoes of his sworn enemy, a.k.a. our sister Melissa, and I put my foot out in front of him, and I must have smelled like Melissa, and he attacked the shit out of my foot. That's when he got his balls whacked and his claws taken out of the front. And I know a lot of people don't condone decline, but he is a fucking monster. Like, massive, huge beast. Yeah, like, if you hadn't declawed him, just think about the number of people that would have been seriously yeah. injured by and him. and he still fucks people up. Like, with his teeth. And he has a powerful bitch slap. He's not hurting. And he is doing great. But anyway. And then the other night, he was attacking my mother. And I intervened. And first he got my leg. And then he latched down on my thumb. Little fucker. Yeah, and that thumb swelled up pretty, 
pretty big. I was worried for a minute there, but it went down. Everything's fine, and we're still in love. Long live Papa Fix. Long live King Figaro, Lord of the Kitties. That's my public service announcement is it's National Respect Your Cat Day. Respect all, but every day should be National Respect the Cats Day. It's true. It really should be. Cats deserve our respect. I mean, all animals deserve respect. Well, I agree. Oh my God. I have to talk about this, everyone. I went and saw Call of the Wild because I'm not sure if anybody knows this about me. I'm sure they don't, but I'm in love with Harrison Ford. I will be forever. Even after he dies, I will be in love with him. But I saw that he was in the new Call of the Wild, so I was like, oh, I'm going to go see it. I cried from beginning to end of that movie. Very, very short spans of time I was not crying. It starts out sad, and then it gets, like, beautiful sad, and then it's sad, and then it gets beautiful sad again. It's just, it's just, you know... I feel like I would I would still have liked to watch it. I just wish I would have watched it alone at home so I could have really ugly cried. Well, let me tell you, Senorita Sappy Pants over here came over one day while I was finishing watching the making of Our Planet, and it was talking about like the what they had to go through to be able to make that show series. And at the end of it, it showed the um, like walrus, walruses climbing up a cliff and then trying to get back down the cliff afterwards and they were falling off the cliff and then I look over at Emily and she's like sobbing so I just stopped the show. It was so sad. I don't know. I just... And the fact that these filmers, these people filming the show cannot intervene but they know what's going to happen and like I wouldn't be able to do that. I would be like, I'm coming little walruses! Even though they're huge. I could see you, like, trying to build a massive trampoline or something for them to fall on. <laughs> I would so try... Like, bounce into the ocean. I would try anything I could because it was just so sad. I wouldn't be able to do that job because literally my... Like, the scenes where, like, the hyenas and stuff get the baby lion cubs mm-hmm. and things like that. Like, I wouldn't be able to sit back and watch that. Like, I would be like, get the fuck away! You know what I imagine with the walruses? I imagine you as, like, a clown at a circus. Walking around with one of those little trampolines, running as fast as you can, trying to catch each walrus as it bounces to the ground. I would. I would. Anyway. Yes. That's my feelings. I also will not watch the show that you watched, Don't Fuck With Cats, but Jennifer said it was really good. Dude, okay, so it was, because it starts off with these people, they had found this video that this guy had posted um, online where he had taken two kittens and like put them in a plastic bag and then like vacuumed the air out of the bag, and... And it turns into these people's quest to find this guy who's torturing these cats. And then these other videos and stuff just keep getting posted and different things are going on. And, yeah. So it's just basically, like, uh, this whole... It's a short series. There's only, like, four or five episodes, but about these people trying to find um, this guy who put the cats in the bag. And it turns out that he ends up killing somebody and the whole thing's a... Yeah. Like... If you're sensitive about that kind of stuff, I wouldn't watch it, and definitely don't watch the videos that he posted. Like, 
those are awful. But, um... Have they been taken down? No? Well, and, like, in the video, like, on there, like, it doesn't show everything that happens. Because they, like, cut it off. But, like, you can... They cut to the people that, like, had seen the videos, like, and that were looking for the guy. And, like, they're, they're crying talking about it. Like, Listen. Yeah. One time, I rescued a kitten. You remember Gypsy original gypsy that I rescued from underneath the bus and at the Fort Madison hospital. I didn't know you rescued another gypsy at some point. This was before I moved to California this last time. Like I said, I couldn't keep her. So I gave her to one of my friends who had three girls. So I was, you know, I figured they'd be really excited about this cat. Well, then I hear later, like it was supposed to be funny from my friend that her kids had shut the cat in the refrigerator overnight and like she acted like it was funny and I was just I was so disgusted like and but I think pretty much the cat ended up running away and not coming back but I've had people tell me that when they were kids they put their cat in a microwave and shit like that yeah and I'm just like what the fuck is wrong with people like that stuff's not cute. It's not funny. And whoever raised you to think doing that to an animal is also not cute and not funny. And I would like to meet them and fucking punch them in their mouth. By the way, again, mom, I would like to thank you for teaching us to respect animals. I think it's great that most of the animals in our family have been, like, rescued in some way. Not yeah. all of them, but most of them. Like, Gypsy was a, res was a rescue. Abby was kind of a rescue. Like... She would have not had a good life if she stayed where she was. Cooper was a whole other story. <laughs> um, Figaro was a rescue. Figaro was the best. No, Figaro wasn't a rescue. I was a rescue. Faye was a I rescue. Didn't, I didn't know I needed rescued so badly. Yeah, well, and Faye was a rescue because if we hadn't gotten her when she did, like, who knows? Like, maybe they would have gotten rid of the other. Yeah, and then we rescued her from your dog. Um, well, yeah, that's also true. You did. Cleo was a rescue because she was, the Humane Society was who had her at the pet store. Because okay. there, I think it was Pet Smarter Petco out in California. Mm -hmm. They have like shelter cats in there and they change them out all the time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's where mom literally went out saying she was going to get this long-haired black kitten and we were going to name it Nyx. And she comes home for a cat carrier and she's like, Emily, they have this cat at the pet store. I cannot wait to bring it home. And she brings home Cleo. Awkward. Scared Cleo. She was so scared when we yeah. brought her home. Because um, I think she'd been mistreated. Was Link a rescue? Kind of. Sarah saw somebody on Burlington, or not Burlington Bicycle Trade. I don't remember where she saw Link at. We had to travel to go get him. Davenport, I think. And we also traveled to Davenport to get He was definitely... Cairo. Link was definitely worth the, the journey because he's a sweet cat. He is a sweet cat. Dink was a rescue. Yeah, Dink was definitely a rescue. Um, poor, poor little Dink. Yeah, and the story of Dink is really sad because my sister got this kitten or we thought it was a kitten um little tiny little bitty black and white fluff ball he's so cute and um she took him in he had like a sore on his neck and stuff she had to really take care of him because he was severely malnutritioned and somebody dumped him at the airport and turns out she took him to the vet like two or three months later 
And they told her, no, absolutely, he was not a kitten. He had to have been at least over a year old. And it was just, he was so severely malnourished that he still looked like a kitten when she got him. That's so crazy. Like, I look at his fat butt now and I'm like thinking to myself, how? He like, literally is a footstool. He's so yeah. fat. All right, well, oh, ready, yeah, we ready got... to get to it? Yes. Okay, so here's the sitch. We have actually each chosen three Disney villains. We have talked about their villainous ways, and we'll be rating each of them to find out which of our villains is the most badass motherfucker. Of course, in our opinions, but... I'm excited because Disney villains are actually my absolute favorite. I've been working on a Disney villain sleeve, which needs more work done on it. It does. Yes, Disney villains are my motherfucking favorite, y'all. I resonate very well with them because I'm a bitter bitch. I hold grudges. I am my grandmother's granddaughter. But we will be rating them in three different categories. The first will be based on how vengeful they are as far as them holding grudges and seeking revenge. Um, the second category will be their tricks and how sneaky their plans are. And then the third category will be the most arrogant. So basically the one with the biggest head about themselves. Arrogant, self-centered motherfuckers. Yep. On to Red Bull number three. <laughs> so Jennifer goes first this time. Oh, I do? Mm-hmm. All right. Funny. Up first we have Jafar. Jafar is a tall, bony man with a twisted goatee beard, haughty eyebrows, and brown eyes. Haughty? You know, the, the like, oh, hoity-toity, like, I, I'm better than you, bitches, uh, eyebrows. I was like, haughty? I didn't know. Like, I thought you meant, like, H-O-T-T-I-E. Oh, like, no. Like, H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. Hot, hoity eyebrows. Well, anyway, continue. <laughs> He is always seen carrying a gold, ruby-eyed, cobra-headed staff, and he wears a tall, black headdress adorned with a ruby and red feather. He wears a tall, black headdress adorned with a ruby and red feather. He wears black robes that reach the ground over the top of a, of a red shirt with bell sleeves. With a red-violet sash tied around his waist and the shoulders of his outer robe are pointed and curl upwards towards the sky. He also wears a pale yellow garment that covers his neck, the back of his head, and his chest. Also, did you know that he's... They think he's bald. I find that interesting. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, um... What's his fucking face? Uh... Brett Michaels! Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brett <laughs> Michaels is our day... Today is day and age Jafar. Jafar. <laughs> so in the beginning, alchemy is Jafar's main ability. He did not have much for real powers, um, so alchemy was his main source of magic. He is also known to be a master of disguise and appears as an old prisoner, convincing Aladdin to retrieve the lamp from the Cave of Wonders. The Cave, the cave of Wonders. wonders. So, he has a sidekick named Iago, which was the secondary antagonist from the Aladdin series. And he is a sarcastic, loudmouth parrot that served as Jafar's henchman during Jafar's attempt to rule Agrabah. 
Oh, I'll tell you a tale of a faraway place where the caravan camels roam. Iago was obsessed with riches and fame and used these obsessions to motivate his villainous deeds. Iago? Mm-hmm. I loved Iago. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jafar presented himself with a charming and respectable exterior to the Sultan and the people of Agrabah, but he held everyone in contempt and was very power-hungry. He would constantly hypnotize the Sultan with his magical staff that he would always carry with him, and he primarily operated from a secret lair that was Ooh. hidden behind the walls of his bedroom in the Sultan's palace. Ooh. After obtaining the magical lamp, he wished to become the most powerful sorcerer in the world and was then able to levitate objects, breathe fire, summon objects, and transform himself as well as others. After making his final wish to become an all-powerful genie, Jafar became capable of commanding not only the world, but the universe as well. This is what he called phenomenal cosmic power. Phenomenal cosmic power! <laughs> this allowed him to manipulate reality, teleport himself, or anything else that he wanted. He could breathe underwater, had superhuman strength, could summon lightning bolts, and was able to shift shapes, conjure objects, project fire, and create water tornadoes. Ooh, wouldn't that be considered a, what are those called, a spout? The water spouts? Yeah. Yeah. Jafar had a somewhat comical edge to him that added some humility to his character that otherwise was just simply cold and cruel. He is portrayed as an immoral psychopath who will not hesitate to destroy anyone he sees as a threat to his own sinister plan. He wears a metaphorical mask of normalcy, establishing himself as a cool-headed schemer, gaining the trust of those around him despite his physical appearance. Because he looks rather sniggly, if you ask me. I've always been creeped out by Jafar. I didn't mm -hmm. like him. I feel like if Jafar was a real person, he would be a predator. I feel like Jafar and Rasputin are both right there. Like, I know Rasputin's not Disney, oh, but... I really wanted to do Rasputin, but he's not Disney. So we'll have to hit up another villain episode further down the road. Maybe in season three. So maybe. Maybe every tenth episode we could do, like, because the last one was season five. So, Jafar's psychopathic tendencies continuously seep through. He shows more and more of his actual self as the movie goes on, from him sending Aladdin into the Cave of Wonders to die, to showing his true arrogant side once he re receives the genie's lamp. He often displayed narcissistic tendencies, the main one being his obsessive desire for power, well as an immense sense of entitlement. It seems that his lust for power does not stem from, an, from a desire for authority, but more of an intolerance for subordination. He does not want to be second best to anyone or anything, including the Sultan himself. It is this desire for power that ultimately led to his demise, because upon becoming a sorcerer, he realized that his power was still inferior to that of the genie, which caused him to wish to become the genie, which rendered him a slave for all eternity. For always in the eternity. Mm. <laughs> right. So, in the name of Jafar... 
for vengefulness, I mean, he's not really trying to get revenge on anybody. He just wants power. Mm-hmm. So I'm not... That's out of five, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to give him like a one out of five. Okay. And then for tricks and sneaky plans, um, I definitely think he's fucking sneaky. So I'm probably going to give him a five out of five. Okay. And then his arrogance, I'm giving him a four. All right. So Jafar has ten. Ten out of fifteen. All right. So I am next in line in this lineup. Yes. So here we go. Contender number one. She has some badass lavender hair wearing nothing but pink and purple, including her stockings and shoes. She's a villainous witch with an annoying voice and a hatred for sunshine, stating, I hate sunshine. I hate horrible, wholesome sunshine. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> my next villain, well, my first villain in the running is the magnificent, marvelous, mad madam Mim. Ooh. So... It was very interesting to me because a lot of me talking to my friends and my sisters and stuff, like Sarah Melissa had, well, Sarah Melissa, I think, knew who she was. At least Sarah does. But a lot of people didn't know who Mad Madam Mim was. Uh, like, friends, even, like, just random people I'd talk to. Like, I remember her from being a kid just because I really liked watching The Sword in the Stone. I loved it. But let me say I was very disappointed in a great number of my friends for not knowing who she not was. knowing, but I also was kind of proud that I was able to grace people with who she was. Maybe they'll all decide they're going to watch it and be like, oh, hell, she is a badass. Right. Mad Madam Mim made her big screen debut in 1963 in the animated Disney feature film The Sword in the Stone power that rivals that of the infamous Merlin. The reverse is that she seems to have always used her magic magical abilities for her own personal gain and other evil purposes. During her standoff with Merlin, Mim instates rules that she herself breaks, transforming herself into a dragon. Merlin's owl, Archimedes, even stated, she only wants I can't talk like Archimedes. <laughs> she only wants rules so she can break them. Which ended up being exactly correct. No matter how far I scoured, I couldn't really find much of a backstory to Mad Madam Mim. Which was mildly disappointing because I really wanted to do her due, due diligence. Do her some justice. But what she lacks in history, she makes up for in her powers and abilities. Ooh. Going hand in hand with her shape-shifting abilities, she is also able to use size manipulation. She is able to make herself larger or smaller showing her abilities in a scene where she flies on her broomstick when she's shrunk herself to be little bitty tiny. Remember that? Oh, yeah. So obviously, flight is another ability, along with peak human durability and teleportation. She is a pathological, indomitable, or she has pathological, indomitable will. Mad, Mad Madam Mim possesses what is called pathological indomitable will, I guess I say it again, <laughs> described as an obliviousness to danger that makes her invulnerable to fear and intimidation with nothing capable of controlling her, appealing to her better nature, or prompting her to realize her limits. Hence, 
Mad Madam Mim does not fear failure and whoops. Mad Madam Mim does not fear failure and will even threaten her own life to achieve her goal or make a point. Ooh. So that's all I have on Mad Madam Mim. But she's great. She was one of my faves. So I don't really see where she was like really very vengeful. She wasn't very vengeful. Mm -mm. So I'll give her a, a one on that. For tricks, based, based on her tricks and her shape-shifting abilities, I would definitely go with a five on that. Ooh, Mad Madam Mim, you bad bitch. Because, I mean... Whatever. And she's an arrogant fucking bitch, too. Because she's, like, thinks so highly of herself and so poorly of um, Merlin. True. Trying to decide where I should go in this one. I'm stuck between... Because I don't really think she's the most arrogant. So yep, she no, wouldn't she's necessarily... Wouldn't definitely rate to a five. So I'm stuck between a three and a four. And I'm thinking about giving her a four. Which would tie her up with Jafar. Jafar. You decide. Yeah, let's go with four. Okay. Okay, we're... Going and moving on to Jennifer's second. Okay, so my next contestant in this battle of the Disney villains is none other than His Royal Highness Hans Westergaard. That sneaky little snake. Yeah. Hans has fair skin, auburn hair and sideburns, green eyes, is of moderate stature and is generally considered good-looking. Throughout the fr throughout the movie Frozen, he is seen wearing navy blue trousers, black boots, and a magenta cravat, blue shirt, and an indigo vest, all of which is reminiscent of a naval uniform. Mm. My one of my favorite, or not my favorite, but like Sarah telling me, because <laughs> you know in the beginning of that song he sings with Anna. When he's, she's like, can I just say something crazy? And he's like, I love crazy. Sarah goes, that's the man for you, Emily. Yeah. I was like, fuck off. But him wearing what looks like a naval uniform would be considered normal. Because in that, like, in the time period, like, if you weren't going to be, like, first or second in line to be king, then you usually were in the military. Like... Oh. Hans is a proud and ambitious prince with an immense desire for admiration and chivalrous honor. However, despite his desirable appearance and opulent background, he is a victim of severe abuse at the hands of his older brothers. His upbringing made him into a remorseless man who was hell-bent on bettering his life and obtaining power and respect that comes with it. Ah! Ah! <laughs> anyway, he came to Arendelle for Elsa's coronation with plans to try and win her heart until he realized she was antisocial and reclusive. He then set his sights on Anna, Elsa's neglected younger sister, with plans to marry her, kill Elsa, and become the crowned king of Arendelle. Ooh! Arendelle, you better watch out for this sneaky little fuck. Having 12 older brothers... Hans had grown up feeling invisible, and he promised Anna that he will never shut her out as Elsa had, 
causing Anna to trust him without having the definitive proof that she should. Yeah, because Hans was a fucking bitch. Mm -hmm. With a noble demeanor, he presents himself as someone others can trust and confide in. By establishing himself as someone of virtue, he is able to observe his opponents and examine their insecurities. These impressions won Anna over, thus allowing him to seize the throne without giving hint of his plan to anyone. His sense of entitlement of believing that he has a right to be king is a major motivating factor in his schemes. He craves respect and recognition that he had been denied for that he had been denied from his family. And he is power hungry, craving kingship, and gets a weird twisted sense of pleasure from having someone from having someone's submission. His most powerful asset is probably his intelligence and great ability to lie and manipulate. Right, and his like charm. Mm-hmm. He proves time and time again to be to be quick-thinking, resourceful, and very diligent. However, unlike most villains, he constantly changes his plot with the shifting of events and somehow manages to do so without revealing his villainous nature to the people watching the movies, which only adds to his perceived level of intelligence. Hans is a fucking douche. He is often described as a chameleon who is easily... He is often described as a chameleon who is easily able to adapt to an environment to make other characters comfortable. He is the physical representation of a silent killer. Mm-hmm. Hans eventually ends up accusing Elsa of treason and sentencing her, sentencing her to death. Once he discovers that she has escaped, he becomes furious. He finds Elsa and tells her that Anna has died and blames her for her sister's death. Elsa then falls to her knees in devastation. Hans then pulls his sword back and prepares to strike. However, Anna runs in and blocks his blow, but freezes just before the sword strikes her, which shatters his blade and knocks him off of his feet, rendering him unconscious. That was one of the most tragic scenes for me. Oh my god. Okay. Pops, I have to tell you guys this. Me and my sister Sarah who I talk about all the time. <laughs> so, watched this movie together when we were drunk, and we sat on the couch and held each other and cried. And my friend Damien was over on the other couch, and he just looked over at us, and he told me later, he was like, these bitches. <laughs> that would be you, Elsa. Whatever! The frozen ice Sarah queen. Sarah would be Elsa before no, I was. you'd be the frozen ice queen, and Sarah would be like, Mm, I mean, that's true, actually. <laughs> because you'd be the one who'd fall for the striking, good-looking good guy, and Sarah would be pissed off about it. Like, Yeah. Anyway. Because she wants what's best for me. So in the end, Hans ends up being arrested and imprisoned and returned home to face an unspecified punishment at the hands of his brothers. <laughs> Fuck you, Hans. Ooh. I fucking hate him. Like, I was never so upset when he was like, oh, Anna, if only someone loved you. And I was like, oh, this motherfucker did not. Yeah. Okay, so in vengefulness, I'm giving him a zero because there really wasn't any revenge to be yeah. had. Like, his vengefulness would have just been trying to prove himself to his family, and that's not really 
vengeful. So his tricks, I'm giving him a four. And then his arrogance, I'm gonna give him a five because he's an arrogant little motherfucking son of a bitch. So he gets a nine. I've never hated any Disney villain more. I usually love them. So he gets nine out of 15. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> So next in line for me, I'm going to see who can guess correctly who this is and I bet everybody will get it right because I did a really good description. Let's do <clears throat> A slender man with black curly hair, a big hook nose, and thin, a thin black mustache. He wears a Philly white cravat underneath a crimson coat with gold lining and crimson cuffs with two gold cufflinks, rose-colored pants, white knee socks, and black boots, a massive crimson hat with a lavender feather, wearing an orange sash over his right shoulder that holds his sword at his left hip and most infamously, a hook on his left hand. I present... Captain James Hook of the Jolly Roger. So we all know Captain Hook's arch nemesis, Peter Pan. He continued his sale of high seas in pursuit of exacting... Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me start that over. We all know Captain Hook, arch nemesis of Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. who, he, he discontinued his sale of the high seas in pursuit of exacting his much-deserved Venge on Peter Pan for cutting off his hand and feeding it to a crocodile. Ooh. The same crocodile now follows Captain Hook everywhere he goes in pursuit of finishing what he started because he got to take one little taste of that, that man and he wanted the rest. So, I mean, at least Captain Hook should be like, she thinks I'm flavorful. Yeah. <laughs> I taste good. But anyway. Most of Captain Hook's attempts at revenge on Peter fail due to his first mate, Mr. Shmee. <laughs> Shmee. Oh, that, I love Shmee. Shmee. I love Shmee so much. Um, but yes, his loyalty to Captain Hook, though, is unquestionable. But is also he's pretty dumb. So no if so facto makes me question Captain Hook's judgment for having such an incompetent first mate. Yeah. <laughs> like this is literally like another cartoon or cartoon cartoon <laughs> cartoon version of Pinky and the Brain. It's true, though. Because Captain Hook is, like, badass. He has badass ideas, but it's me who can't get them to work correctly. The pinky and the brain. Right. Pinky and the brain. Oh, where was I at? Okay. One of them a genius while the other's insane. And let's be honest, he's one of the most easily thimpest... Sympathized. Sympathized. He, he is quite easily one of the most sympathized Disney villains. Speaking of lisps, I showed David that meme that you had shared the other day of Thaw. Yeah. I thought he was going to die. And Mike Tyson. He's like, he's like, 
he like grabbed his chest and threw his head back. Oh, that's like, my nuts. favorite Deej laugh. When he... <laughs> you know it's funny. You know it's funny. But yes, he's easily sympathized. I mean, do you feel like you get it? I I get it. Yeah. Well, anyway, so losing his hand to his opponent, a crocodile constantly hunting him. Well, he's the captain of the Jolly Roger, so his home is on water. So he can never get away from the crocodile. Mm-mm. But anyway, in his adolescence, Hook was trained in the ways of piracy by his mother, Mama Hook. In the hopes that he would be as feared as a captain as she was. Mama Hook. Yep. His mother claimed that he made a pitiful pirate and that he seemed hopeless. Through his youth as well, he was ridiculed and excluded. Um, which again would be awful. I'm sorry. Like that would be a horrible way to grow up. And also I think it could play a lot into his cruelty. Mm-hmm. So let's all just sympathize some more with Captain fucking Hook. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Captain Hook. I'll right, be, like, I'll I... will be your mom. I'll show you the I way. picked him because I just think his attire and stuff is so great. But then well, as I was... think of his mustache, like... Yeah. Or um, the one in the in Hook. That version when he oh. uses his earwax to... Yeah. <laughs> curl his mustache. Um, who is that that plays him? Uh, the dad in Meet the Fockers. Oh, my God. Uh, I can't think of his name. I'm not... It'll be later. Anyway. Hook met Smee when his crew abandoned him, becoming stranded in the middle of the sea, and Smee rescued him. So, like, aw. So sweet. So maybe that's why he felt like he had to keep Smee around, because, like, he's who saved him. Probably. And, you know, he probably, after having that kind of adolescence, having somebody actually seem to genuinely care that much... Probably was something he wanted to hold on to. That would be my downfall. Yeah. I could see that. So once gaining possession of the Jolly Roger and acquiring a new crew, Hook was free to pillage and plunder the open seas as he wished. Plunder. Yep. Pillage and plunder. (laughs) During this time is when Hook met a young boy from Neverland who could fly named Peter. And as a childish prank... Which, okay, this is what I found. I had to word it that way in my own notes because the fact that they said a childish prank online is like, okay, it's a childish prank to cut off somebody's hand and feed it to a crocodile? Fuck that. And this, and honestly, in this whole thing, I think Peter Pan is the villain, not Hook. Yeah. But, yes, Peter cut off Hook's hand and fed it to an enormous crocodile as a quote-unquote childish prank. So, now the the Jolly Roger has a massive crocodile always on the trail and the constant reminder of the hand that used to be there and now was replaced with a hook. He vowed to never leave Neverland's shores until he killed Peter Pan. That's intense. Um, Hook is extremely intelligent and manipulative, aided by his charming and suave personality. He is able to trick anyone, 
even those who are more than aware that he is not to be trusted. Captain Hook also seems to have a tendency to find loopholes in agreements or contracts or show obedience to the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. For instance, when Hook made when Hook was made to promise that he would not lay a finger or a hook on Peter Pan, he agreed. So instead planted a bomb disguised as a present in Peter's hideout. Oh, hell. Yep. Captain Hook is one of the few villains that view their sidekick as not only a minion, but as a friend. While Hook is incredibly cruel, deadly, short-tempered, and shows no care for his crew, he seems to only tolerate the bumbling actions of Smee. It has been shown that Hook murders his crew out of irritation and aggravation, but despite the constant annoyance of Smee, Hook has never shown any desire to kill him. Never made him walk the plank. Yeah. Though Hook has never claimed to harness any magical abilities, his swordsmanship is renowned through more than just the Neverland area, but across the seas. He has the ability to speak fairy and a momentary ability to fly because of pixie dust. I think that was in... Anyway. Some things that I believe make Captain Hook a real HDIC and H-dick head dude in charge... I was, like, trying to figure out, like, if that meant, like, head dick in charge, or... I mean, it could be head dick in charge. So, trying to find Peter Pan's hiding spot, he kidnaps Princess Tiger Lily and and tells her, like, we're gonna kill you if you don't tell us where it is. And they're, like, trying to drown her, aren't they? Something like that? Yeah. So, while Hook is trying to concentrate on his scheme, he becomes annoyed when one of his crew members starts singing. Hook offhandedly shoots the man, causing him to fall into the sea. When Smee points out that what he did was not good form, Hook lashes out at him, reminding him of how Peter Pan cut off his hand, threw it to the crocodile, wasn't good form. Just then... Hook hears the sound of a ticking clock causing his eyes and mustache to twitch in rhythm. Remember that? He's like, his eyes are like... It does diminish his ferocity a little when he acts like a baby and begs Smee to rid of the crocodile. But still, he is a villain that deserves his title. (laughs) Uh, I really had fun researching Captain Hook, obviously. (laughs) So... I'm going to start with arrogance, just because I feel like that's a good place to start. Okay. So I think that with his arrogance, I'm just going to give him a three, because I feel like he's not... Super arrogant, super but, arrogant he, but he knows that he's so charming, though, that he can trick people. Mm-hmm. So, that's a... And with his tricks, <laughs> with his tricks, I'm going to give him a four, because, I mean, he had some pretty decent plans. That's true. If only Shmi hadn't fucked him up. And then, last but not least, I'm going to do... Th- oh, his- you did him backwards. I did. Okay. So, last but not least, I'm doing his vengefulness. So, with vengefulness, I'm definitely going to give him a five, because while he may not have succeeded in his vengefulness, he sure as hell tried. Yeah, I know. My dude, Captain Hook, just came in with a 12 out of 15, bitches. I knew because the thing is, I know that he doesn't seem like that scary of a villain because he doesn't have 
mm-hmm. powers. So that's why I was like, I really got to dig deep. Yeah. And well, and that's why, like, I tried to make sure I, um, I don't know. I wanted to start from the other side because I knew I was going to give him more points for vengefulness. Yeah. Oh, that's why you went backwards. And so that way I could well, tell. Well, I mean, vows to never leave Nether- Neverland Shores till he kills Peter Pan. That way I could tell you <laughs> to get out of here. Because in that way we can throw this in there later. Because would you have remembered the plant or the bomb present if I didn't bring it up? Probably not. Yeah. I had to dig deep, bitch. I even watched Peter Pan. And then after doing most of my research on him, I felt really bad through the whole movie. I was like... (laughs) So. And um, we have... That's beautiful. Let me say, I had to do it. This is my bitch. This is my fucking bitch. Next up is a plump, lavender-skinned, white-haired cicalia. And from the waist down, has bl- has six black octopus-like tentacles with violet suckers. We have none other than Ursula! Ursula! Despite her light complexion, the area around her eyes is a darker shade than the rest of her skin and is always seen wearing aqua blue eyeshadow, deep red lipstick, and red nail polish. She also wears purple coral shell earrings and a gold nautilus shell necklace. Did you know that her character was based off of a drag queen? I do know that. Did you put that in there? I did not. Okay, good, because I was going to be like, man, I fucking spoiled it. <laughs> her alto, alto, her alter ego, Vanessa, is a fair-skinned, a fair-skinned human female with long, wavy brown hair and pink lips. Vanessa's eyes are violet instead of gray, and she appears in a lavender dress with a purple corset. Vanessa. Stealing, stealing ass bitch, trying to take Prince Eric from little mute Ariel. Ursula is based on the sea witch character from the Hans Christian Andersen story of the Little Mermaid. In the original story, however, the sea witch is a neutral enabler, but Disney's animated adaptation made her character more crafted into a full-fledged antagonist so that she could play a much larger role in the story. Fucking right, my bitch, Ursula. She belongs to... She belongs to a group of creatures known as Cicalia, or octopus person. In her monologue, she states that she once lived in the royal palace of King Triton, and she boasts that her previous life was lavish. Oh. By orders of the king, Ursula was banished from Atlantica and made her home in the remains of a Leviathan, which is a giant serpentine creature, lined with a garden of writhing polyps. These polyps were merfolk who had previously gone to Ursula to help them, but were unable to fulfill their part of the bargain that they made with the witch. (laughs) From this secluded lair, she awaits the chance to exact revenge on Triton and become queen of Atlantica, 
by stealing the Triton, an all-powerful weapon that grants its user control of the seas and its foils. Ursula is assisted by her babies, which are two moray eels known as Flotsam and Jetsam. Flotsam, Jetsam, now I've got her, boys. The boss is on a roll. The pair are extremely efficient, making them a dangerous threat to those who oppose their mistress. They often speak in unison and complete one another's sentences and entwine and entwine their bodies. Flotsam and Jetsam creeped me out. Mm-hmm. Most villainous sidekicks are portrayed as comical and bubbly, where these two are portrayed as competent, dark, and mysterious, and match up well with Ursula's wickedness. So a couple random side notes and random trivia. The eels are actually named after two different types of shipwrecks. Oh. Flotsam is a sunken vessel. 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 <laughs> Flotsam is a sunken Flotsam vessel. Flotsam is a sunken vessel. Yeah, is a sunken <laughs> vessel which has cargo floating up from it to the sea's surface. And a jetsam is any cargo that has been intentionally thrown into the sea. Oh. Both Flotsam and Jetsam have odd-colored eyes, and Flotsam's, Flotsam's right eye and Jetsam's left eye are both yellow. And then when they put their heads together, she's able to see, like, what they're looking at. They're so... That's... Ugh. Yeah. Um... So by nature, Ursula was very dark, with a wicked sense of humor. She established herself as a beacon of hope for unfortunate merfolk, and would strike deals with them to help them reach happiness that they, that, oh my god. And she would strike deals with them to help them reach happiness should they fulfill their bargain. She speaks in a motherly tone, and makes it seem as if her only concern is the happiness and satisfaction of her customers. However, she would sadistically sabotage her customers in order to cause them to undoubtedly fail at meeting their end of the deal, resulting in them belonging to her and becoming permanent fixtures of her polyp garden. Her poor unfortunate souls. Mm -hmm. Ursula was vengeful, holding a vendetta for a very long time, and spied on Triton's relatives. Mm -hmm. Ursula was classy and presented herself with immense confidence, and she had very high standards. She would flaunt her curvaceous appearance and would spend time admiring herself and her vanity. She would have she would have changed her appearance or wait no. She could have changed her appearance if she had wanted to, but she chose not to, demonstrating contentment with who she was as a person aside from her lack of control over the ocean. She's literally like, I know you want these lumps, but you can't have them. You can't. So her, her magical abilities were very potent. She was able to brew potions to create spells that allowed her to do things like physically altering bodies and transforming them into different species, as well as taking things from individuals like stealing Ariel's voice from her. Although she was powerful, intelligent, cunning, and calculating, her arrogance, which when not viewed as a strength, is what caused her to be, to under, oh my god, is what caused her to underestimate her opponents, which ultimately led to her painful and justifiable death at the hands of Prince Eric, whom she had underestimated immensely. A couple more random trivia things I threw in here. Random. 
Is prince this Eric <laughs> the one Disney prince that I would that you would bone? I would be turned into an animated version of myself so I could go into Little Mermaid and just fucking <laughs> smash. Um, so despite being half octopus, Ursula only has six tentacles. Unless you count her arms as limbs, then she actually does have eight altogether. Mm, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Ursula's blood color is dark blue, like a, um, how the hell do you say that word again? A cephalopod? What? Anyway, Ursula's blood color is dark blue, dark blue like a cephalopod, which is an octopus. Uh, as shown when... You could have just said an octopus! Mm-hmm. As shown when Eric's harpoon scratches her arm. However, when she is electrocuted, you can see that she clearly has a skeleton, despite the fact that cephalopods do not have bones. Oh, yeah. Disney, check your facts before you produce some shit. Mm. Okay. I have decided my scores. Okay. So... For vengefulness, I'm giving her four out of five. For her tricks, I'm giving her a four out of five. And for her arrogance, I'm giving her five. In the lead, we have Ursula with 13 out of 15. (laughs) So now, I invite you. To journey with me to the moors. Let's do it. We have the bitterest bitch of them all. (laughs) The mistress of evil, Maleficent. Before Disney decided to make a movie specifically based off of Maleficent's character, casting her in a new light where she is easily sympathized with, Maleficent was truly one of the scariest villains in Disney history, which is probably the reason why... She's in my top two of my favorite Disney villains. I don't really have a, t- a one, like, it's a top two, and that's Ursula and Maleficent. So basically we're pretty much putting those two bitches ahead yeah. against each other. <laughs> um, or maybe it's due to the fact that I understand FOMO better than anyone, and let's be honest, if I was the one person in all the land that didn't get invited to one party and I heard about it and I was a bad bitch like Maleficent... Fuck yeah, I would storm those gates and come in and literally... Well, I know that if I had a party and you found out about it and you weren't invited, you would just show up. Like, I would what show the fuck, up and bitch? kick the door in. I'd be like, I'm always invited to the cookout, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. She, there's no denying Maleficent is a powerful-ass, badass bitch. So it's easy to fear her just based off of her appearance with two massive horns on top of her head, piercing eyes... Almost always seen in a black attire, alone, she is one of the most physically terrifying villains. With a staff in hand and a crow for a henchman, Maleficent was left orphan after her parents, the king and queen of the Moors, were murdered by humans. Though a forbidden romance, Maleficent meets a boy named Stefan who comes back to the Moors with the intention to kill Maleficent for the king. Stefan drugs her and can't bring himself to actually kill her, so Stefan uses a chain made of iron which burns fairies and uses it to cut off her wings 
to give to the king as a trophy, lying and saying he killed Maleficent. However, Maleficent is obviously not dead, and this begins the start of sympathizing with Maleficent. I mean, well, no, that's not even the start with her parents was the start, but here's the part where you really start to sympathize with her because there's that scene when they she wakes up and her wings are gone. My poor heart. How could you not sympathize with her? Humans kill your parents. Mm -hmm. Someone chops your wings off. A human chops your wings off the one human you allowed yourself to trust. Man, I would have been the bitterest, meanest, most hatefulest bitch in the world after that. And if I had her powers, I'd be fucking shit up everywhere I went. So there's a royal christening being held for the king and queen's daughter, Princess Aurora, and Maleficent crashes the shit out of that party. She's like, ah, nah, there's a party and I wasn't invited. I'm crashing this party. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. But I didn't mention that the king is now Stefan. So because he's a lying backstabbing ass bitch. Telling Stefan that she too would like to bestow a gift upon the princess. And that's when she curses Princess Aurora out of spite of the king. The curse being that on her 16th birthday, she would prick her finger on a spinning wheel, basically making her fall into a sleep-like death and can only be awakened by true love's kiss. Now, I understand being pissed at Stefan because he's a little fuckboy, but... I understand Aurora was the most important thing to him, and that's why she cursed a baby. But isn't that kind of fucked up? Mm -hmm. Like, that kid didn't do anything. It didn't ask to be born to Stefan's bitch ass. Yeah, definitely should have cursed him instead. Mm -hmm. But. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I never thought it was okay. Even with Maleficent's backstory, the kid has nothing to do with it. So shame on you, Maleficent. Maleficent harnesses a vast amount of abilities, ranging from magic to healing abilities. I'm going in to all the things Maleficent can do to remind everyone that she definitely deserves to reign supreme. She possesses the power of telekinesis, atmokinesis, which I found out means she has the ability to manipulate the weather. More abilities being transfiguration, chlorokinesis, spell casting, healing, clairvoyance, hypnosis, terrakinesis, superhuman strength, accelerated healing factors, and declarating set or anyway, we'll go try it this way. Accelerated healing factors and semi immortality. Uh, so basically don't fuck with Maleficent because she going to fuck you up. And in, spoiler alert, guys, and in the fucking second Maleficent when Michelle Pfeiffer's character fucking shoots her with the iron arrow and she just turns into dust. And then Princess Aurora starts crying and Princess Aurora like a tear drops on the, the pile of dust and she comes back because of true love. They love each other. That shit's so sweet. And I think it's so cute that she calls her beastie. Mm-hmm. I love that shit. So, I'm having some trouble over here because I'm definitely going to give her a five for vengefulness. And I'm definitely going to give her a five for her tricks because she has lots of magic and different things she can do. 
But I feel like she's not arrogant, like, at all. She actually, in the second movie, like, kind of shows some, like, discomfort in, in herself. In, in herself, yeah. Because I feel like she doesn't like that she's who different. she is. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what to do. I don't know what to rate her for that. I'm thinking, like, a two or a three. Whatever you want to do, girl. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with two. Cause she's really not like, she's fucking vengeful as fuck, and she does all kinds of great magic, but she's not arrogant. She's very humble. She is, but it's when she's like pissed, it's hard to get to her like soft, mm -hmm. soft nature, cause mm -hmm. she just gets to that point, and she's a, she, she goes on full rage mode. She, yep, she just turns into a real PMSy bitch and just fucking tear shit down so that gives maleficent a 12 out of 15 so that actually would tie her with captain hook mm -hmm. which makes ursula <sighs> the winner yep ah bitch ursula gets the lead i love that bitch ursula she earned I've it, always, man. I've I always love loved, Ursula. Loved Ursula, and also like, even though I know that they like, when I was reading about her, they say they compare her to being like, grandmotherly, like she's caring about other people, but she does actually look like our grandma. Like, not gonna lie, she straight up looks. Grandma like our doesn't grandma. like that we say that. She thinks it's weird, but I feel like it's very accurate. Yes, my our grandmother literally looks just like Ursula. We should do a splice photo and do like half of her face, half Ursula's face. Yeah, I could do it on my iPad. Okay, so we got a ruler who reigns supreme. Her name is Ursula. Poor unfortunate souls in pain, in need. I found out while I was researching her that she has like they talk not really so much about her parents because they they don't mention them at all but um she has a sister named Morgana oh that was in the movie with um Ariel's daughter oh yep yep and then she also had a daughter which wasn't really her daughter but she adopted her whose name was Uma Uma Thurman I knew there was a reason um, oh, you guys should email us and ooh. tell us if you think we rated, rated them accurately. Rated them accurately, your opinions. If you think Maleficent should have won, or Mad Madam Mim should have won. Or if you know us personally, you can just message us on Facebook. Yeah. Most of my friends message me on Snapchat. So send me a snap. Tell me how good it is. Emily has cooties. Oh, yeah, you can add me on Snapchat. Anyone listening? Oh, yeah. It's Emily has cooties, all one word. E M I L Y H A S C O O T I E S. I don't even know what my Snapchat thing is. I think it's Jen0405, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, snap me. Snap me. Snapaholics. Anyway, so yeah, let us know if you think we did. If we rated them accurately. Now, just, but also, keep in mind, don't be too mean to us. This was all based on our opinions of them, so. You can be mean to me. I'll be mean right back. I mean, that's true. I'll say listen, motherfuckers.
listen, this is my podcast, first of all. <laughs> and then second of all, nobody knows the villains better than me. And I know what they rightfully deserve. You know who would have been a good one to do? Who? What the fuck was his name? Um, Radigan? What was he from? Pocahontas. Oh, yeah. Beautiful gold is mine. I, I loved, was it Percy the dog? Yeah. I loved Percy. This is a little bubble bath. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Him and Miko. Anyway, so, yes. Let us know. Also, if you have any, any like, spooky, creepy, weird stories, you can also email us that. Our email, like usual. Beauty and the screams at gmail.com. All one word. Yes, yes. You know the name. It's on the top of the podcast you're listening to right now. Yeah, buddy. So, yes, email us, like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter, Instagram. Um, is that it? We have Twitter, we have Instagram, no email. Mm-hmm. And we have Facebook, but. I said like us on Facebook. Oh, you did? Okay, never mind. Anyway, yes, 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 yes. Like always, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back. Yes, thank you, Kongan. Yes, and we love you very much. Love, love. Long time. Anyway, have a have a supersonic day. Oh no. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting out of here. Bye. Jesus Christ, my eardrums, you could have warned me.